Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Remember six long days ago when we said this election day would go on for weeks? It's still going on. We're so glad to be waiting it out with you. We are live tonight from the 137th floor of the Howard Stern Tower, high above Gotham. Yes, Miss Thea Harper and I are actually back in the building. They welcomed her back. They allowed me back in because she vouched for me and agreed to pay for anything I broke. And we are with you live at 866-997-4748. 866 866- 997 Grit. Our heroic executive producer is the great Chris Hauselt. He comes at you live from South Carolina, and NBC has just called it for Katie Hobbs. Yes, if you're just joining us, um, <laughs> Democrat Katie Hobbs won the race for governor of Arizona. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, first off, thank you all for your very nice comments about the show on Friday and uh, Bob Woodward's appearance on the show. If you missed Bob Woodward, please do yourself a favor and check it out on demand or on the SiriusXM app or the John Fuglesang podcast. And also, if you still need to laugh a little bit. Overall, we've been through because it has been traumatizing. I'm right there with you. It's been a hell of a time. Why not check out our live comedy special, which we taped in L.A. last month, uh, part of Stephanie Miller's sexy liberal Save democracy tour. We recorded a great show that was filmed at the Saban Theater in Los Angeles featuring Stephanie Miller, who you wake up to on this year's channel, uh, Frangela Housebarks and me with special guest Glenn Kirshner and Mr. Rob Reiner. It's really funny. The reviews are great. You can go to meathook.live and check out Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Save Democracy Tour or go to sexyliberal.com. It's only 20 bucks. And, uh, well, it's even funnier now that the Democrats have kept the Senate. 866-997-4748. Tonight's a powerful show. Maybe you got to see a little video that uh, Thea and I just put out. She, Thank you very much for making me do that. We have a great guest lineup. We're just getting warmed up. Rhonda Handsome. One of our favorite comics will be with us in hour number two, taking your calls at 866-997-4748. And coming up later in this hour, it's David Marchick to talk about his excellent new book, 
which is all about, well, uh, some, an endangered species, the peaceful transfer of power, an oral history of America's presidential transitions, a wonderful book which features an introduction by our friend Ken Burns. So that's a lot of show, and we have a lot to get to. Taking your calls, 866-997-4748. Let's do a show. Tonight, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave, and you don't really get to check out. Uh, are you done exhaling from the election? Are you just delighted and thrilled or at least relieved that Democrats held on to the Senate, that uh, most of the Trump election liars, I don't call them deniers, that most of them on the state level running for governor, running for secretary of state went down in flames? Are you relieved that the Republicans, if they do win the House, will not be having a 40 vote total or a 30 vote game. Maybe it'll be single digits and it will usher in two years of full on GOP civil war. I hope you're done exhaling because we need you to stay in the game. There's no time anymore. I hope you had a nice weekend. That's done. Get back in the race. The struggle continues. We don't get to breathe. I'm sorry. You had the weekend to breathe. And even though we got the news, Democrat Katie Hobbs has been called the winner of the race for governor of Arizona. NBC News has projected it. She is Arizona's Secretary of State. She has defeated Republican nominee and my boo, Carrie Lake, who was a former prompter monkey for the Fox affiliate in Phoenix. Of course, Carrie Lake is a, a former TV news anchor. And I think it's great that Arizona has voted to keep another election liar out of office. And I want to give my best wishes to Carrie Lake and to Dr. Oz as a fellow entertainer. I just want to say, guys, congratulations that you could get to stay in show business now. You don't have to, you know, adapt to become public servants. Right now, 20 House seats remain uncalled, and Republicans would have to win six of those to have the House majority. Democrats would need 15. 15 out of the 20 seats won. And it's possible, it's very unlikely, Joe Biden said today at the G20 summit in Indonesia, I think it's going to be very close, but I don't think we are going to make it. Having said that, Republicans who have dominated the state legislative elections over the last decade are shocked to see Democrats have pretty much made history in this year's midterms. I mean, if Democrats can hold on to their majorities in Nevada State Assembly and Senate when all the votes are done, it will mark the first time since 1934 that the party in control of the White House retained all of its state legislative majorities in a midterm election. I want to play a little clip of Chuck Schumer. He gave a speech on the Senate floor, and he was talking about the midterm results that clearly show Republican voters are the ones also rejecting MAGA politicians. Large numbers of Republicans said this new MAGA Republican Party is not the party of Ronald Reagan, not the party of the Bushes. It's a different party, and I can't countenance it. And that's why so many of them voted for Democratic candidates who were paying attention to the specific issues, non-divisive, non-incendiary, just helping people. And that's why I believe we won the election. There have been no widespread reports of any voters being turned away at the polls, no reports of any kind of election fraud with any credibility. Uh, It overall went pretty smoothly, just like 2020 except for the election deniers, who the media likes to call liars. But more on Carrie Lake in a second. I like to call them liars. The media calls them deniers. Um, This rebuke of the liars is such a refreshing course change 
by American voters. Most of the extreme Republican nominees did really badly. And they cost the GOP a lot of very winnable races. Kudos once again to all the Democrats who thought that was a good idea to nominate the far right people. I'm glad it didn't blow up in all of our faces. Um, In the 36 House races that the Cook Political Report said were toss ups, Trump endorsed only five Republicans and every one of them lost. On his podcast, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, he was very angry about the red wave that he was so certain would wash all over America. I am so pissed off, I cannot even see straight. We had an extraordinary opportunity. We had a generational opportunity. This should have been a fundamental landslide election. Oh, man, it's like We should have won the House and the Senate. We should have a 30, 40, 50 vote majority in the House. We should have 53, 54, 55 Republicans in the Senate. No, you mediocrity. And instead, holy crap. Cry. The Democrats keep the Senate. Worse than that, the Democrats potentially grow their majority in the Senate. Worse than that. Oh, Yes, we take the House, Uh but at best, we're going to take the House with a couple of seats. Maybe there is an outside chance we lose the House. I don't think we will. I think the numbers are enough that we will hold on to the House. But it's going to be a majority of 219, 220, 221, 222. Uh 218 is a majority. Ooh, daddy So we're going to be looking at a 2-3-4 vote majority at best. Yeah. Come on. Say more. rage. Americans are feeling across this country the rage that I'm feeling. There are almost not words to describe it because this opportunity was screwed up. It was screwed up badly. And the people are going to pay the price are the American people. The country is screwed for the next four years because of this. We're going to see horrible left wing judges confirmed for the next two years because of this. We're going to see judges taking away our free speech rights, our religious liberty rights, our second amendment rights it is an enormous missed opportunity and and, and i gotta say it it is hard to describe my feelings as anything other than rage right now ah ah ah. okay i can go again in five minutes hang on yeah and you know why that is ted because you trusted donald trump you built this bitch you helped donald trump every step of the way he insulted your wife's looks and you groveled before him you bathed his taint with your pork like tongue you worshipped him in front of your children your children are going to grow up knowing that you groveled and nuzzled the taint of the man who insulted their mother who said your father was partially in on the JFK assassination and you traded in your manhood for blind unmanly obedience to Darth Jabba comb over Caligula and now you have a sad that the American people didn't buy what you were selling Raphael oh that clip of him oh it's like it's like porn for the angels and God's buying the lube. Now, look, I'm not saying things are going to get better overnight, and there's a long way to go. These Democrats have got their work cut out for them, and the worst thing they can do is get complacent, and the worst thing any American can do is say, oh, the Democrats won. I'll check out. What can I binge? No, no, no. We're staying on it. Because the billionaires aren't going to save us. You understand that, right? I mean, the world's still crazy. Republicans are still crazy. Democrats aren't going to save us. We can save ourselves using the Democrats. And that's as good as it gets. Because the tech world, have you seen how 
FTX has been imploding. Like, <laughs> not a good time for crypto. Elon Musk has, well, let's just say, would you would you get on a rocket to Mars built by the guy who built the new Twitter? I mean, it's it's incredible how he's taken this entire website that was working just fine two weeks ago over the cliff. Yesterday's Twitter apparently eliminated 4,400 of its 5,500 contract employees. Cuts expected to have significant impact to content moderation and the core infrastructure services that keep the site up and running. $44 billion to ruin a site, to break something that wasn't broken. And r- right now, Balenciaga, the high-end luxury fashion house, they just deleted their Twitter account. They had almost a million followers. And they told Business of Fashion today that they are out because they are so turned off by what Elon Musk has done to a very fine website. And by the way, Elon Musk is setting the house on fire so badly, it's giving a lot of other tech billionaires a chance to hide the shitty things they're doing because Mark Zuckerberg over at Meta, well, they just laid off 13% of their workforce because Facebook's finances have stagnated and trying to be TikTok hasn't helped them. And then Amazon, we learned today, plans to lay off approximately 10,000 people starting as soon as this week. The biggest staffing cuts in the country's history. All of this. Amazon, 10,000. Twitter, but with seven to 8,000. Zuckerberg, 13% of the meta workforce right before Christmas. Guys, the world's still crazy. The billionaires won't save us. And it's not going to stop being crazy. This week is going to be crazy. Today, we had Joe Biden and Xi Jinping meeting in Indonesia. We'll play some clips from that. In St. Louis today, a federal appeals court ordered a nationwide injunction pausing Joe Biden's plan to forgive student loan debt, which the American people voted for and he gave. Oh, and Mike Pence apparently gave an interview with David Muir on ABC. Media, if you stopped covering Mike Pence, it would affect nothing. If you just stopped interviewing this guy and covering what he said, the world will still go about exactly as it's going to go about. Now, Tuesday is a really crazy day. House GOP leadership elections. Michelle Obama's new book comes out. Mike Pence's book, No One's Gonna Read, is coming out. Uh, Donald Trump apparently is going to announce his presidential campaign from Mar-a-Lago, despite the screams of thousands of Republicans begging him not to. Don't let them ruin this. Democrats, you want Trump on that wall. You need Trump on that wall. Trump is the best hope we've got of tearing this party in two. Wednesday, uh, the Senate GOP leadership elections, unless they can put it off, which they're fighting to do now until after the Georgia runoff on the 6th of December. The NASA Artemis 1 moon mission is scheduled for a launch. Thursday, Lindsey Graham testifies before the Georgia grand jury on Donald Trump's, I should say, alleged post-2020 election interference, but I will say captured on tape voter fraud. It's beautiful. Lindsey tried so hard to avoid doing this, and now he has to sing. On Friday, the Republican Jewish Coalition has their annual meeting. And Ron DeSantis is going to be there. Pence is going to be there. But no Trump. Could it be because Trump insulted every Jew in America last week? Media forgot about that pretty quick. Uh, Saturday, Naomi Biden's White House wedding. The president's granddaughter. The 19th White House wedding in history. Nine of the previous 18 were presidential daughters. Uh, Trisha Nixon's, I guess, was the most famous in 71. But the White House is going to have their first ever wedding for a presidential granddaughter. So that's crazy. And then Sunday, Sunday, Joe Biden turns 80 and the crazy starts all over again. Oh, and by the way, uh, if I could also point out hospitalizations for the flu, Chris tells me, are five times higher right now than any year ever. 
And in the midst of this, I know it's tempting to want to check out. You got through the midterms, but the war is beginning. Trump lashed out at DeSantis last week. Rupert Murdoch is done. Fox News has cut him loose. The Post has cut him loose. The Wall Street Journal, they're all talking about DeSantis. Oh my God, wait till they realize how mediocre DeSantis really is. The Conservative Club for Growth, which bet the farm on Donald Trump, they came out and advertising a new poll showing he trails DeSantis by double digits in Iowa and New Hampshire. Please, Trump, run. Are you going to let a doughy mediocrity like Ron DeSantis, who used to get your coffee, beat you? No, Trump, no. Burn the whole house down. Burn it down. The YouGov poll released on Friday found 42% of Republicans want DeSantis to be the nominee, only 35 for Trump. That's enough to cause a complete civil war. Invest your money right now in popcorn, friends, because next year will be the year to watch the dumpster fire and chill. And in the Senate, well, Rick Scott is declaring war on Mitch McConnell. And it's kind of stunning. Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, they're all calling for new leadership elections to be put off until after the Georgia runoff. Josh Hawley tweeted, the old party is dead. Time to bury it. Build something new. They're coming for McConnell. Guys, oh my God, they're coming for McConnell. Rick Scott has left the door open to challenging McConnell for the leadership role. And honestly, I've been a big fan of Rick Scott ever since he tried to kill Harry Potter all those times. You know, you deserve to have this Medicare fraud, Skeletor-looking Lord Voldemort bastard as your standard bearer. Just like, well, you, you deserve to have Jim Jordan be your face of the house. Guys, it's going to be crazy. I know you want to check out, but you can't. We'll be here for you. Progress will be here for you. Don't forget, keep yourself sane, but it's important to always stop and smell the train wreck. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right now, I'm so pleased to welcome our next guest. A little bit of backstory, because David Marchick is a former official in both the Clinton and Biden administrations, uh, and dean of the Kogod School of Business at American University. But in 2019, he agreed to head the uh, Partnership for Public Services Center for Presidential Transition. And he had no idea, of course, what was coming in 2020, or maybe he did. But he and his colleagues launched a 48-episode podcast called Transition Lab, which is all about the history of presidential transitions, how they're conducted, what the policies are, who's behind the scenes working on them, And it was a great podcast that talked about the changes in power, which suddenly became very prophetic when January 6th happened and made us all very aware of how fragile and endangered endangered this custom really really is. is. 
So his guests included everybody from James Baker and Andy Carr to our friend Chris Christie, our friend Ken Burns. Now his book is out, The Peaceful Transfer of Power, an oral history of America's presidential transitions, which puts all these interviews into a great narrative and looks at every modern presidential transition since Carter, while also looking back on America's most challenging transitions in history. It is completely fascinating. It is gripping reading. It shows the best and the worst transitions we've ever had as ideas for reforms that could improve the process. But best of all, it's a deeply patriotic book. It's very, very hopeful about this country and how most of us are committed to our democratic institutions when they're under fire. What a great pleasure to welcome David Marchick to SiriusXM. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being had, and thank you for writing this book. It really would have been a crime to have let the podcast not live on in this form. Was that always part of the plan to take the 48 episodes and somehow convert it into a text? You know, I wish I could tell you it was it was planned out, but none of it, none of it was really planned. We we started the podcast and we didn't really know if anybody would listen and people kind of became interested. It grew and grew and grew. We actually didn't even think that that many people would be interested in the subject of presidential transitions. And then, of course, as you mentioned, it was on the front page of every newspaper, not only in the United States, but around the world. As Ken Burns said on the podcast and in the book, you know, for 230 plus years, we've had one president peacefully handing over the reins of power to the other ever since George Washington handed over the reins to John Adams. No shots were fired. No arms were raised. No troops were alerted all until 2020. And so it became kind of an interesting subject and it took off. I mean, you're right that it's been the foundation of our democracy since George Washington decided he didn't want to be a king. Is it fair to say, sir, are we exaggerating when we say that 2020 was the first non-peaceful transition of power in our country's history? We've had contentious ones before, but never anything approaching what we saw almost two years ago. Well, on the podcast and in the book, I interviewed a lot of historians and a lot of officials. And I think the worst presidential transition in history has to be Buchanan to Lincoln. Mm. 1860, during the period between when Lincoln was elected and Lincoln took office, seven states seceded. Buchanan was paralyzed. The Congress was paralyzed. Half the cabinet showed their loyalty to the South. Jefferson Davis was elected. The country fell apart. The other kind of very rough transition was 1932 to 1933, when the Great Depression peaked. We had bank runs in 25 states. Hitler came to power. Japan exited the League of Nations. And Hoover decided not to cooperate with Roosevelt. So we've had some pretty bad transitions. But this is the first one where literally, as you know, using Mitch McConnell's words, not my words, but a president um, created, you know, an uh, insurrection against the United States. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I want to talk to you about both of those dubious transitions, Buchanan to Lincoln and Hoover to to FDR, because as you point out in the book, and, and my big takeaway was, yes, it is the president who who sets the tone for a transition and is the, the face of the transition. But boy, do you point out in this book that it's not just one person. The transition depends on so many individuals who will never be written about in history books, never have statues in the museums. They'll never be you know, taught to history students. But it really does take an army of civil servants to make these things happen peacefully. 
Absolutely. It takes two to tango. And let me start by talking about a good transition. Please. Unless people think that I was very partisan in my statement, you know, I worked for a Democratic president, but this project was very nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. And the gold standard of presidential transitions actually goes to George W. Bush. You recall that he experienced a shortened transition. Most presidential transitions are 75, 76, 77 days. Because of the Bush v. Gore dispute in Florida, he only had about 35 days. Eight months after he took office, two planes hit the World Trade Center. And at that point, because of the shortened transition, Bush only had about half of his national security team in place, half. And about half of those people had only been in office for two months. Mm-hmm. So the 9-11 Commission did an autopsy of what happened, and they found that the fact that he had a shortened transition compromised his ability to get his team in place, and it compromised national security. So when he left office, he said, whoever comes after me, whether it's McCain or Obama, I want to make sure that they have a red carpet coming into office. I want the whole government to cooperate. And George W. Bush was prescient when he planned that because at the time he handed over the reins, we not only had two wars going on, Afghanistan and Iraq, but also we were in the midst of the worst financial crisis since 1932. Oh, yes. So this has been, you know, transitions have been traditionally bipartisan, nonpartisan. It's the foundation of democracy. And 2020 was a historical aberration. Let's hope so. The 9-11 Commission did warn at the time, uh, the time of transition is a time of great vulnerability for our country. Uh, I'm I'm curious, what was it that happened in the Bush-Obama transition that made it so praiseworthy? I I mean, I know they had a lot of balls in the air at the time. And I also know that security officials were on very high alert at the time for a terrorist attack during the Obama inauguration. Well, Bush ordered his chief of staff, Josh Bolton, who's a dedicated civil servant, to organize the entire cabinet, to organize the entire government, to prepare memos, to brief the incoming officials. They reached out to both the Obama teams and the McCain teams on an equal basis to get either one of them ready to take office. They also did something where they, once Obama was elected, the outgoing Bush national security team met with the incoming Bush uh, Obama national security team, and they did kind of a role-playing exercise. What would happen if a terrorist attack happened on the United States? So Condoleezza Rice, who is the outgoing Secretary of State, worked with Hillary Clinton, the incoming Secretary of State. The outgoing National Security Advisor did the same with the incoming National Security Advisor. And that work created kind of muscle memory. Fast forward to January 19th, the day before Obama took office in 2009, and there was a serious, credible threat of a terrorist attack on the mall Mm -hmm. by Somali nationals against the United States. And those same officials, the outgoing Bush team and the incoming Obama team worked together. They came and met in the, in the situation room and they basically worked to not only foil the plot, but also to plan what would happen if the terrorist attack was successful. And so that type of bipartisan cooperation is what's critical at a time of vulnerability in the United States where one moment from one moment to the next one president leaves and another president comes in and their teams it takes a while for them to get ready and that's why it's a vulnerable time for the united states we all remember barack obama going out of his way to praise george w bush for 
facilitating the transition and making it as smooth as it was. Josh Bolton is a name that I remember as being Bush's chief of staff, but I never knew how much credit he's owed until I I read this book. And I found it amazing that throughout the campaign, Josh Bolton was keeping these channels of communication open with both McCain and Barack Obama. They were laying the groundwork months in advance for it to be a fluid transition. Absolutely. You recall that, you know, of course, Bush supported McCain. But what Josh did is he worked evenly with the Obama team and the McCain teams. He would have lawyers in the room and he would give both sides the same information, the same access, the same conversation on an even basis, not to give one or the other a tip or a you know a support, but basically to give both the ability to be ready to take office at a time of crisis. And that was a really patriotic, important step that Josh Bolton did and George W. Bush did at that moment in time. And of course, the Obama team was very well prepared as well. So that Bush to Obama transition is seen as the gold standard of presidential transitions at a time of two wars and a financial crisis. Yeah. And what's also interesting is that um, Josh Bolton sort of stayed on and continued to uh, advise presidential transitions right up through 2020 which I found very interesting. Uh, He spoke a lot with um, uh, Chris Liddell, who was deputy chief of staff to Donald Trump in 2020. How did that work out? Absolutely. Well, there's a tradition of former officials who care deeply about this country. They're divided politically, but they're united on the importance of a peaceful transition of power. And they come together every four years to help whomever is the candidate running for office not electorally, but to help them in case they win. And so that occurred this year as well with Josh working not only with the Trump team, but also telling the Biden team, here's some things that you should do to get ready. Here's some experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. Here's some mistakes that I made. And here's some successes that I had. And please learn from my successes and mistakes for the good of the country. What's fascinating to me is that Mr. Liddell had a real challenge. He had to try to follow Josh Bolton's advice and counsel, and I know you advised him as well, um, with a boss who probably wouldn't like the fact that Mr. Liddell was trying to facilitate these briefings and connections all on Zoom during the COVID pandemic, but uh, Trump had no idea that his team was doing everything they could to help facilitate a transition that Trump didn't want to allow to happen. That's right. In the book, I described this fellow, Chris Liddell. He was a deputy chief of staff for President Trump. He was a business person before that. He was CFO of Microsoft and CFO of, of General Motors. And I just say that he had the worst job in Washington. He was doing two things at once. He was planning for a potential Trump second term. And he was also preparing for the possibility that Trump lost and facilitating the exit of power for a president who didn't want to leave. So Chris was loyal to President Trump, obviously wanted him to win, but he was more loyal to the Constitution and the laws of the United States. And he did what was required under the law, the so-called Presidential Transition Act. And he organized the government in order to facilitate Biden coming in, should Biden have won. Now, he did a very good job leading up to the election. The day after the election, Trump put a hold on everything. And for almost 30 days, basically, the entire federal government sat on its hands until the formal transition began. And that was very, very costly 
to the United States. Can I take it back 150 years to to Lincoln? Because I just want to ask one more question about that with our time that we have. It seems that the Josh um, Bolton of Lincoln's era was Edwin Stanton, arguably, who had uh, worked in the Buchanan administration um, and later became Lincoln's war secretary. there's no way to state how paralyzed the government was by dysfunction. And President Buchanan, considered by many to be one of our worst, wasn't really doing much in the way of leadership to help this work smoothly. Is it true that they had to sneak President-elect Lincoln through Baltimore to Washington to keep him safe because the conditions were so volatile? Yes, this is an incredible story. As, and uh, in the book, it's described by Ted Widmer, who wrote this wonderful book called Lincoln on the Verge. So Lincoln's equivalent of the Secret Service found out that during a train trip where Lincoln was taking from uh, Illinois to Washington, that there were a group of Americans who wanted to assassinate him. And they were planning to blow up a bridge when President Lincoln's train called the Special went over the bridge just south of Baltimore. So Lincoln was told about this plot when he was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at the governor's office. He snuck out of the governor's office in the, through the back door, went onto a commuter train, put on civilian clothes, and snuck into Washington ahead of schedule. And then they announced that he had arrived safely. Therefore, the, the assassins who were planning to blow up the bridge when his train crossed found out later that he, was already, he had already arrived in Washington. And actually... Those assassins were caught and they were later hanged. Wow. And Lincoln was 6'6". Not an easy guy to camouflage. Not an easy guy. Um, the book is... The same thing happened actually in 1932 when there was an assassination attempt on Roosevelt in Miami. So this is a time of great, great vulnerability for the United States, a time of peril. And that's why it's so important to have one president hand off peacefully to another. It is a thrilling book. It is called The Peaceful Transfer of Power, An Oral History of America's Presidential Transitions. David Marchick, I I loved it. It's gripping. It made me feel proud to be an American, which is hard to come by these days. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work? So there's a. it was published by the University of Virginia Press. There's a website. You can also buy the book on Amazon. You can follow me on Twitter. Um, but I hope that people buy the book. All the proceeds go to the Partnership for Public Service, which is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization devoted to uh, improving the effectiveness of government. And I hope people enjoy it. And it's a great book. It makes a great gift for the history aficionado in your life or anyone who cares about democracy and sanity. David Marchick, thank you very, very much for joining us. Really a thrill. I love what you wrote. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. 
So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Series XM Progress. We are joined by the Divine, by the Alpha and the Omega, my Billy Joel, my Esther Roll, the Queen. One of our favorite comedians joins us every Monday. She has opened for Aretha Franklin. She has opened for Anita Baker. She has opened for Miss Diana Ross. She is Miss Rhonda Handsome. I am black, y'all. I told you we'd set you up. I told you we'd give you a real intro. So how are you? Are you exhausted? Uh, well, but it's such a wonderful kind of exhaustion because I have been in the rehearsal studio with Dust of Egypt and, and the cast is phenomenal. I, I mean, these people are just great uh, doing this uh, mother's plight, the saint's plight, actually, because uh, Sojourner Truth, you know, she, she spoke to God. She was in yeah. direct contact with him and doing what she heard him tell her to do but she was looking for her son and that's the slant that uh, Karen Abarbanel has put on it the, the mother looking for her son what a heavy experience to have to take on I mean this is not just some biography play this is a very specific story like the best biographies it's not a and then this happened thing it says here it tells the person's whole life story through one incident something so deep so heavy and you've got to work your actors for two weeks of rehearsals for three shows. This is what theater festivals are like. Yes. I mean, it, you really have to give everything in you to give the subject matter the heft and the weight and the emotional strength it deserves. The actors are up to it, John. And also, and not they're not only doing their thing acting, but then they've got to move the set around. They've got to bring out pieces. And then we've got to get out of there for the next show that's going on. I mean, it's it's almost like guerrilla theater. Yeah, I've done the New York, New York Theater Festival before. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's great. It's what it's all about. I'm loving it. And after Donald Trump announces his run as president, you'll have something that it's uplifting later in the day when you open. <laughs> oh, no, he's he's not going to do that. Apparently, um, and people around him are trying to talk him out of it, but he's already moved the date more than once. And I don't I, at this point, if he doesn't announce it tomorrow, it's going to look so weak on his part. And I'm here to say, God bless him. Let him run. Let him tear Ron DeSantis to ribbons. Let him burn down the House of Lincoln. Well, is this a ploy to get out of testifying, to get out of, you know, being uh, Who investigated? Who knows why he's doing it? I mean, I don't know how running for president will make an investigation against you. Stop being president uh, can can make it so they can't prosecute you. But you know what? If Vladimir Putin has compromise on you and he wants you to run, you're going to do as he tells You'll you. You'll do as he says. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, today, if, I don't know if you heard about this today. Um, remember that Trump's hotel in, in D.C., which he yeah. so sold after he left the White House? And I've said for two years, there's the proof he's not going to run. He sold the bribe hole hotel. Turns out, I wasn't kidding when I called it a bribe hole. We now know <laughs> the governments of China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey, Malaysia, and the United Arab Emirates spent a lot of money at Trump's D.C. hotel in the first two years of his presidency. A combined three quarters of a million dollars was spent by these governments so they could buy access to Donald Trump. That's how the bribes worked. They pour the money. They spend five thousand dollars a night renting a suite for weeks at a time. And then they get their personal face to face meeting 
And so now we need to know how much was he guided by his personal financial interest while in office rather than the best interest of the American people. The answer to that is entirely, totally, completely. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the, these Trump hotels are ridiculous. You know that they were they were charging the Secret Service oh. to stay at his hotels. What was like a one point four million? And that yes. wasn't even including the mini bar. I mean, it was look at how they char- well, the Secret Service finally moved out of Trump Tower and put a put a trailer on the street because they knew they were getting ripped off by this guy. I mean, and this is us getting ripped off. Like we it's, we pay for Trump's Secret Service and then we pay Trump's Secret Service to pay Trump for hotel rooms, to pay Trump for golf cart rentals. When he would go on a fucking golf game, he wouldn't just say, here's a cart, follow me and keep me safe. No, he made them pay our money to rent the golf carts, to follow him around. If only our Constitution had an emoluments clause, Rhonda, that would prevent this sort of thing from <laughs> oh, happening. If only. But he he does a 360 degree grift That's and it. he's very good at it. That's it. But you know what? Uh, it's really nice to see the grift grind down. Carrie Lake, I, 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 I mean, I was so convinced she'd win. I've met her. She's not especially bright. I, I don't think she's especially a nice person. But the media has had me so convinced that this was her race. She's so good on camera. I compare her to Mike Huckabee. He was a TV evangelist and she was a local news person. So they both have practice lying to people with a smile on their face on TV. <laughs> Telegenic. <laughs> I have such gratitude for the voters of our country for showing up last week. And it wasn't just black women this year either. Well, I mean, black women always <laughs> save. Come on, Ron. Black women always save the democracy. But this year, Gen Z showed up, too. Well, the young people have uh, something to be worried about. They want to invest in their future. They want to. They want to. They want to know that they'll be alive and have yeah. rights and yeah, <laughs> clean air, water. I'm just so <laughs> proud of people for showing up to vote. I feel like Democratic voters are like the Ukrainian army. It's like, oh, y'all showed up. <laughs> Thank you. I believe again. We have a lot of a. Uh, riffraff who want to weigh in i love the riffraff let's go to the phone shall we we're at 866-997-4748 guys i'm not gonna lie there's a lot going on right now um there's a lot happening right now we've 48,000 teaching assistants and academic workers in the uc uh, system have gone on strike demanding a better wage biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan has been blocked again uh biden admitted during a press conference today there's not going to be enough votes in congress to codify the right to an abortion uh and we're just getting warmed up russia's retreating the world is crazy facebook and twitter are collapsing uh twitter's well, twitter's collapsing facebook's just firing thousands of people amazon's firing thousands of people these tech geniuses made record profits during the pandemic but they can't afford to pay a living wage so they got to shed thousands of jobs well, who's going to be around to to um, make sure that you're you're suspended for like weeks at a time? Who's going to do that now if they're firing everybody? Honestly, I don't. I you're asking me to get in a spaceship to Mars run by this guy <laughs> who can't run a fucking website. It's going to be interesting. It is. It's it is. And is he uh, rehiring people with a raise now or? <laughs> David Washington, good evening and welcome. You're on Sirius XM with Rhonda Hanson. Yeah, hi, John. Hi, Rhonda. Hello. Um, hi, John, you remind me of Jedi Master Avar Chris. She heard the Force as a song. And oh. I sometimes wonder if you if you do that. Hey, the um, wait, 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 is she I, from Clone Wars? I don't know this Jedi Master. Is she a Clone Wars yeah, character? Yeah, okay. no, old High Republic. Uh, uh, oh, Jedi. oh man, you yeah. really outgeeked me then. I thought I was being geeky with Clone. You're going for the stuff that's too geeky to be a cartoon yet. Well done. I'll check yeah, her out. Just, 
and forget about Tinder. Just yeah, check her out. She's very powerful. Listen, I, I have I, I I don't know much about this High Republic stuff. My kid is ten. Can I read him those books? Would he like them, or are they too out there? No, you could read him these books. Man. Okay, because if you, you get this is for people who think that what Star Wars needs are prequels to the prequels. That's what the High Republic is. In case you're wondering how deep this rabbit hole is, what's on your mind tonight, Dave? Hey, I wanted to ask you and Rhonda about um, this theory I've been kicking around. And actually, I think uh, Trump has no choice, okay? Um, if you look what happened at the G20, and if you look at what's going on with uh, Russia, and you look at Joe Biden's warning about North Korea to Chairman Xi, yeah. there's something big about to go down in North Korea, all right? Uh, to, you can't just... You have to eliminate North Korea's ability to produce those missiles, all right? And to do that, it's a, it's a big move. It's a really big move. That's not a move I and, see that's not a move I see anyone taking on, by the way. Uh, I don't think Joe Biden bluffs, and this is something we've been talking about for years. But anyways, my point is is what's this got to do with Trump? Now, um, Joe Biden also said he knows that uh, China, Beijing, has influence with Pyongyang, okay? I think a lot of that uh, influence, you, you know, and of course Beijing denies it, of course. They say, right. look, we ain't got no influence over this. Um, I think a lot of the influence they did have uh, eroded when Trump was president. And the thing is, is um, what I'm wondering about is this Donald Trump, and it's, you know, with Kerry Lake's defeat, okay. And this, this, this uh, thing with Mitch McConnell, that, uh, you know, Rubio's trying to blame McConnell. Look, man, I don't like Mitch McConnell, but he was right. No one can argue that. It was candidate quality. Yeah. He was basically saying Donald Trump does not do his research. Yeah. He wasn't. Co- All right. But he and, and Trump and hate they, each other. And, and, and we don't need to take sides. We need to play that. I take the side of them hating each other. Yes, and this brings me to my question for yes. you. This is a, an honest question. Yes. Um, because I can, uh, j- Donald Trump, I don't think he has any choice but to take on, like, Tulsi Gabbard as a running mate and declare, like, a third party. <sighs> and my question is, is... No, 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 no. Believe- hang on, hang on, hang on. Just, just, just take a moment. Smell yep. that fantasy. <laughs> just, you can smell it. It smells like, it smells like prom night sex. It's be- Donald Trump running as a third party. Ah, I mean, <laughs> I Tulsi. mean, Rhonda, does God love us that much? Um, maybe. <laughs> go maybe. ahead. Go ahead, Dave. I like this. I, I like, I like your fantasy. Go on. Well, and I mean, you know, it's in Dick Morris's book. He kind of uh, prophecies this, and oh, well. there's been Trump, Trump callers. Now, if, if if there's a actual color assigned to it, this is something Russia and Beijing have been complaining about for a long time. Are these color revolutions? They believe it all is a conspiracy involving the late Gene Sharp and the CIA. Uh, but but you know, look, man, I believe that Donald Trump is absolutely needed now by Beijing because I believe Russia is going to become a wholly owned subsidiary of Beijing. Fascinating. Yes. And the thing is, is, um, uh, my question is simple. Jedi master, does Donald Trump have the cojones to actually do this? Yeah. It's not about the cojones. It's not about the cojones. Donald Trump has the foolhardy, uh, uh, you know, what's the word on the chutzpah (laughs) to go for anything. He has the hubris and the chutzpah and he put it together in a fondue called hubritza (laughs) and he does not have common sense. He does not have impulse control. He will dive into anything because Donald Trump, like most toddlers, has realized negative attention beats no attention. 
And so if he can't win the game, he will crap all over the board and uh, and kick the pieces down the hall. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. I hope he does do it. I've said for a long time, Donald Trump is our greatest hope at keeping Ron DeSantis from becoming president in 2024. And that's that's the only good he has to offer the world. What, what do you think, Ms. Sansa? Well, it's, it's interesting to me that he thinks uh, Tulsi would, would, would help him in the in Tulsi this, would help him. With, in this race. Tulsi I, would help him. Uh, but, but but poor Pence, who, who was angered by, by Trump's... Oh, he was so angry. <laughs> by Trump's tweet... <laughs> I uh, I think uh, I think he was only angry after his mother told uh, I mean his wife told him Can we have could. a conversation we used to do a whole show about how pathetic Mike Pence is if the media didn't cover anything about Mike Pence's book tour or presidential campaign nothing would change I mean no one's going to vote for who's going to vote for Mike Pence? who respects Mike Pence Mike Pence he can't sit down with the January 6th committee, can he? But he'll give an interview to David Muir when he has a book coming out I I think flies everywhere respect him <laughs> Dave, I I, I, yeah, but Dave, I got I, I got to go. But Dave, I, I will say I hope you're right. I think if the GOP shut Trump down and they're naive enough to think that he's going to go away and politely say, OK, you beat me fair and square DeSantis. No, I I, I think we should all encourage I, I will call in to Donald Trump radio shows and encourage him to run as a third party. And speak in an ignorant voice uh, just because I think it'd be so beautiful if it happened. That would be exciting. Okay. Presidents have done it before. Thank you so much, Dave. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, he ran as a third party candidate after he had been president and he got a million votes more than the Republican who replaced him. I, I, I think we need to have actually more third party going on we need to we need some diversity we need to shake things up a little bit look i i'm a big believer in it our first third party president got in with only 38 percent of the vote and, and he was a republican and that was lincoln um but I, I struggle with it because I've, I've voted third party many times and I know coalition governments don't really work that well. And in this country, the third party only really exists to take votes away from one of the two. Like I, Bill Clinton became president 30 years ago last week because of Ross Perot. Oh, yes. I, I think, I, yeah. I think the, the, the spoiler factor is the only real thing third party presidential campaigns have going for them right now. Having said that. I think we should have debates where more third party candidates are allowed on stage. I think it would make Democrats more honest and it would show how dishonest Republicans are to their conservative base. But I but I want to have debates with people who can actually put sentences together and um, speak coherently. And, that might be asking a bit too much. And have some policy to offer. On the Republican side? On anybody's well, side. Democrats have got lots of policy. <laughs> Democrats are overflowing with policy and things they want to do. My God. But it's the GOP. I mean, their platform two years ago was whatever Trump wants. And that's it. I mean, make life easier for the rich, whatever Trump wants, and own the libs. Well, I'm very upset because uh, they're not going to go through with the loans, with the student loan uh, forgiveness. And Well, let's let's hope. Otherwise, I mean, they're they're going to certainly try and we knew this would all be challenged in the courts. But, yeah, it's kind of depressing. I mean, if you're hoping for a small student loan reduction, you're going to have to wait longer. Uh, St. Louis Federal Appeals Court today ordered a nationwide injunction pausing Joe Biden's plan. So it's only stalled for now. But Joe Biden and the administration are going to request the Supreme Court get involved. Uh, the three-judge panel wrote, the injunction will remain in effect until further order of this court or the Supreme Court of the United States. At the end of the day, we've had debt forgiveness in this country before. 
The American people voted for it. Joe Biden promised it. He's trying to give us what we asked for. More people voted for him than any other political candidate in the history of elections in this country. And now a couple of Trump judges are trying to stop him from really giving the economy a huge shot in the arm. I mean, well, corporations get debt forgiveness all the time, all the time, tax breaks, (laughs) pay no taxes at all. And And what makes me furious about this, it's not giving them free education. Like if you worked for your education and you're mad, listen, no, this is not giving them free college. This is not making them pay this insane fucking interest. It's not making them pay the interest on the loan. Yeah. They've, most of them have already paid back the cost of the education. It's the interest on the loan that is keeping people in hock for decades, that is keeping millions of young and middle-aged people from being able to buy a house. But a lot of uh, my, the rumor is that in many countries, you, you really don't have to pay these exorbitant fees to have higher education. No, John. because civilized countries have free college. Yeah. Because they know it's good for the economy. But again, we got to have for-profit college, for-profit prisons, for-profit healthcare. I mean, this whole country's history is a history of how can people with businesses fleece the American consumer who doesn't know enough about other cultures to know that our capitalist allies get this shit for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we're, we're a little behind on that. Just, mm-hmm. just a little bit. The, uh, we'll be right back in just a moment with your calls. Ms. Hanson, can you stay with us for the Absolutely. rest of the hour? Absolutely. We're at 866-997-4748. This is Sirius XM Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Let's go back to the phones, shall we? We're at 866-997-4748. Bill in New Jersey, thank you for your patience. Hi. Hi. Hey, Bill. Hey, I feel good. I knew that you would. Right. Well, you knew what I would because you know what's going on because the last couple weeks I've been, you know, crapping myself, worried, you know, insane. I haven't been able to sleep or anything. But uh, Is it because you're consuming I, news all day long and you're terrified about the future of democracy? Right, and the sleep I get isn't quality. I don't dream or anything. But but the couple of nights ago when news was good, I actually fell asleep in the chair in front of the TV, and it was a dream, and there was a beautiful woman, and she was unarmed, and we were uh, uh, having good conversation. Then Steve Kornacki walks into the scene. Uh, yeah. And I realized that the TV's on in front of me. Exactly. And... <laughs> You can't get good REM with Steve Kornacki. Did you get cock blocked by a whiteboard? Is that what happened in your dream? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, with um, Walker, he's he's not going to win. 
I mean, I don't what think did so. you say? I want to be Ricky Bobby. Yeah. You know what that film is about? You yeah. know the last scene of that film where they have the homoerotic roll with their lips clenched? Uh, yeah. Natasha Baron Cohen on oh, the yeah. field of a NASCAR track? No, I, uh, Herschel doesn't get the joke. I, I totally get it. I, I don't think he can win, Rhonda. I, well, I don't even know what he's doing in there in the first place. You know what he's doing in there. He's a famous black guy in Georgia who Donald Trump thought is famous enough to win an election because if you're famous, you're popular. And they're so cynical. They think that African-American voters in Georgia are so stupid. They'll surrender all their ideology and give up all their political beliefs and convictions because he's a famous black guy on the ballot. Oh. That's that's how nasty his nomination is. Wasn't he also a little uh, anti-Semitic or something? Um, or he- Someone else is in that party. I, I'm sorry, that's a full bus right now. What did Herschel do? Because, because you know his his first name is a Yiddish name. Yes, and it's archaic. Yeah, it uh, you know it hasn't been it, it, it peaked in 1921. There's nothing wrong with being named Herschel. Well, his mom named him Herschel. <laughs> well, I'm, no, I'm missing the connection here. I thought. I mean, I'm thinking Kanye. I don't know. Yeah, I think you. I think I think you're the racist, and you're confusing Kanye and Kyrie and and Donald Trump, who are three men of color, who have said very anti-Semitic things in the last month. It's mental state, not skin color. I'm mixing them up that way. No worries. Um, okay, but uh, you know, if uh, with such a slim lead in the House, it's meaningless. I mean, you know how many people are absent on a day from four, four, whatever it is, five hundred people, and plus. That the January 6th committee is going to hand over all their stuff to the Justice Department before they get broken up. Yeah, they're going to have and to. The Justice Department is going to pursue it. And there are 11 Congress people, Republican Congress people, who met at that conspiracy before January 6th in the White House. Yeah. And four of the those Congress people live in uh, blue states where if they get taken out somehow they'll be replaced by uh, democrats okay um you know it's a possibility plus but looks i mean i I know it's a possibility but right now the next congress will have at least you know how many election liars will be in the next congress at least 160 160 election liars in the next congress and that many extremists they could install trump as speaker of the house That, that, that could happen yeah, but you know, also if Melania divorces him, which was I would think be more likely now, because uh, he's going to be bullshit. She can be used to testify against him because she's no longer his wife. Yeah, she probably knows more shit than anyone. You have a lot more faith in Melania Trump's choices than I do, friend. Well, she'll make more money. I mean, because of their prenup, he's not supposed to cheat on her. That's like you know, I guess he's she's got him by the ball. I mean, they famously renegotiated the prenup after he was elected. So, you know, I mean, I, I would hate to see that marriage break up because I do think the two of them really deserve each other and they deserve to grow old and grotesque shackled to each other. That's true. I mean, uh, uh, th- yeah, they're both the same, I guess. And yeah. They don't know nothing. But uh, yeah. I, I don't like any narratives that somehow Melania is the good person. It's like saying that, you know, Jared and Ivanka are the mitigating influences. Anytime I, anytime you read anything in the paper about how Jared and Ivanka were the ones who talked Trump out of so many bad choices, you know that's a story that was leaked by Jared and Ivanka. They're all hard to believe. They're all self-serving. Yeah. But, John, you know what part of the big news is? Yes. We defeated the Republican cycle the two Santa Claus theory, they're not going to come in in the midterms and destroy the economy again and make the Democrats clean it up because they're not running the show. Whereas normally they would come in midterms, you know, yeah. take 
the good economy that the uh, that the Democrats built and turn it upside down. Let's hope it gets good. I mean, we already saw OPEC's willingness to fuck with our election. We saw that Russia didn't pull out of the Kherson region until the day after our midterms. We know that hostile foreign actors have interfered in our election to hurt the Democrats and help the Trumpy party. So that's all going to continue. But even more so now after these midterms, the Democrats are going to own the economy even more than before. So, you know, we'll yeah, see how the next two years go. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, when when Trump goes away, I don't think that the uh, these countries are going to meddle as much as as before. I don't think it affected this this election that much. What are you talking about? They raised the price. They stopped gas. They stopped oil production, literally, to make the price go up more. Like, <laughs> no, I I was talking about spying and the uh, trolling and all that stuff. Well, that stuff's always going on, but I'm saying they're going to interfere in... America interfered in other countries' elections for centuries. They're going to keep on interfering in our elections. Don't worry. That's not going away. Yeah, I remember Chile. Yeah, right. But, uh, man, I'm I'm just just happier and uh, maybe I won't have to take uh, Valium anymore. No, maybe you just need to do something other than watch the news all the time. Find other things to fill your brain with and then get the news, but detox with other stuff. Yeah, uh, you can be informed and sane. It's possible to be informed and sane. You just have to have lots of healthy stuff for when the news gets turned off. Right. My therapist is trying to talk me into mindfulness, uh, that meditation thing. Well, your therapist is right. Oh, Um, that's a good idea. My therapist is Chris Hauselt, and he sent me this great article from AP News. They had this study Uh that showed that actual mindful meditation worked as well as regular drugs for treating anxiety in the first ever head-to-head comparison survey. They they would have people do a two and a half hours of classes weekly and then 45 minutes of a daily meditation practice at home. And those people did just as well as the ones who took generic Lexapro for depression. I, I love that. Well, it, it really is a chance to break with all of the noise that's going yeah, on around. And, right. Uh, I mean, I did TM early in the 70s uh, with my family, my father, my mother, and my brother. Oh, wow. And, uh, well, my father got a good rate. And uh, <laughs> we went to the, this place, and it was a guy, you know, in saffron and all that stuff. And Were you able to fly? Was, Were you able to do that for a No, but we drove this guy nuts. Uh, my father started arguing with him that he gave him a mantra, which is a curse word in Yiddish. <laughs> and we were all supposed to bring a piece of fruit for offering. My brother comes in late, bounding in and throws down a bag of frozen strawberries. Okay. And, uh, and by the end of the guy, the guy was like shaking, looking this really... I'm not convinced that Bill isn't really just a younger Woody Allen having fun with us every night. Bill, we got to run, man, but thank you very much. I'm glad you're relieved. It's going to get better, but we have to... I'm really relieved. We have to keep our hands on the wheel. Thank you so much. Mindfulness, Bill. Mindfulness. Stephen in Kentucky, what do you think is Magus Prospects? Well, I'm kind of curious. Did Woody Allen get into trouble for keeping his hands on the wheel, or was that off the wheel? I wasn't... (laughs) I think Woody's famous for not being a good driver. Yeah, apparently so. Well, I uh, have a couple things to talk about tonight. You know, I kind of see where Rhonda's coming from, actually, because, you know, everybody is celebrating these victories. You just said a few moments ago something that's very telling, and that is they could actually reinstall Trump 
is speaker. A speaker, they could and that do means it. All they have to, uh, that's all they have to do is go ahead and impeach Biden, go ahead and impeach Harris, and then the son of a bitch is back in there. Yeah, but ex- ex- except, no, except, 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 hang on. They're not going to impeach and remove Biden. They're not going to impeach and remove Harris. Well, you know they're going to try to impeach They're going to try to, yeah, but it's not going to happen. Listen, yeah. if Donald Trump became Speaker of the House, you know what would happen? He'd be forced to do work. Well, he wouldn't no, be allowed no, to watch just, Fox News till 1 p.m. every day. He'd have to work if he was Speaker of the House. It'll never. You know, what's more realistic than that. If the large Democratic minority in the House were to get 10 Republicans who are sane to come along and make Liz Cheney the Speaker of the House, well, that, that could, could happen. That. Yeah, well, that yeah, could, I mean, I could. That's more likely than Trump becoming Speaker. Well, all I know is I don't trust the son of a bitch at all. I don't. I mean, I, 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 I didn't trust him back in 2015 when he ran. There was just I, and I have a sixth sense about people being a Scorpio. Most <laughs> of us do. And I can tell you, I, I have had good senses about people at times, you know, that are yes. positive yes. and then people that are negative. And with him, it, I felt like Cujo. Uh, just having a bad sense, uh, sense about this man. Right. There's just something about him. Well, also the, the fact that there was a 40-year record of incompetency, misogyny, racism, and lies that could have maybe fed your sixth sense a little bit there. Well, and, you know, as far as uh, you said, um, Ross Perot, you mentioned him. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I was young when that election—I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but— <laughs> Uh, I was young when that happened, that election. Me too. And I do remember him talking. I, I remember him saying, Tornado. You mm. know he, you know how he had that accent, Tornado. Yes, he was from and, Texas. You know, he, he'd go off and he had that uh, folksy draw. But I was intrigued by his wife, Margot Perot. You know, I, I'm a, sort of a scholar on first ladies and that. And you have the, gone through the rabbit hole for me on this one, Stephen. I don't remember his, his poor wife. But, but. <laughs> well, but... Mrs. Perot stayed in the background for the most part. She was a very classy woman, she was, and she... Except for marrying Ross Perot, but go on. Well, yeah, that's another story, but... um, but at the same time, I do. The only thing I remember, she was very big on pro-choice. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And she had given a lot of money to women's health care as well. That's right. Not only with abortion, but also with uh, he- uh, breast cancer and that mammogram. And you, and you know what Ross Perot was big on? Firing gay people at his businesses. So, you know, oh, that right? yeah, they, they saw both sides of complex issues. Stephen, I've got to run, but I thank you so much for the call. Uh, let me get one more call before the break. Memo in San Diego. Hello. Hey, hello. Hello. Uh, I'm so happy to talk to you. Hi. Uh, I want to thank you a lot because the way that you explain things and the way that you calmly explain, like, for example, how the polls cannot be trusted and thank you. and how you say it's because of the way that they are doing this via telephone and all that. Yes. Thank you very much for all of that. You are a, a, a fresh thank you. on this otherwise. That's why they put me on at this hour. Thank you so much. <laughs> I wanted to ask you something. Maybe you can explain this to me because uh, I have asked this question to other people and they can, they they, they, they cannot quite just say, well, that's how it is. Okay. Uh, Herschel Walk famously impersonated a, a, a police officer. He even brought a badge yes. uh, into the debate. Yes. And as last time I checked, that's a felony. Yes. And, and the question Not is, if it's oh, just a gold foil on a chocolate star. That's what No, that but he's was. saying like he's saying he's been officially deputized and he hasn't been. I mean, I don't know memo if yes. he's actually I don't know if he's actually guilty of of impersonating a police officer, but um I'd like to see him try to arrest somebody. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's that's my question because then what stops any other citizen from just uh 
showing a, a, a I, I, I have the answer to that. I have the answer to that. And the answer is okay. ridicule. The ridicule that was thrown at Herschel Walker for holding up my son's Paw Patrol badge at a, at a senatorial debate. Um, that is what guarantees. I, I'm sorry, but I think ridicule and nonviolence, as John Lennon said, are the two most powerful weapons against people these People aren't shamed anymore, John. No. People have no but shame. But Herschel really thinks it's a real badge. Yes. So I'm like, all right, keep on, keep on trying to use it then. <laughs> Show it to a really right. that might work on a really undemanding lady in a bar who Herschel will have three children with by the time this commercial break is done. Two Memo, abortions. you're a gentleman. Thank you Thanks. so much for calling. Please call more often. Thank you. I will. Take care. This is Sirius XM.